It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On Bulls is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, all the jab steps, comes up shooting top three, bam, put him in the Hall of Fame. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. What more, what more y'all want me to prove, man? Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked on Bulls podcast. Producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have a Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep going with I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's 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 raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those knucklehead programs. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. Happy Tuesday to you, Matt. A Bulls winner last night against the New York Knicks and Tom Thibodeau coming back to town. Uh, Very excited to talk about this game because I think this was another perfect performance coming back and bouncing back after a difficult loss on Saturday. Want to get into some of the Zach Levine rumors too that we heard uh, late Friday coming into the weekend that kind of stirred Bulls Twitter up crazy. But uh, first and foremost, man, how are you? How you doing? And uh, if you would, I've got a few things to get off my chest about Saturday. But first, how you doing, man? 
What up, Jordan? What up, Bulls Nation? Uh, doing well. Feeling pretty good after that victory Monday night. Hopefully the Bulls can make it two in a row on Wednesday. Um, you know, some really winnable games up here uh, on, on the Bulls' schedule. It, it's a jam-packed month of February, but it starts with a lot of winnable games. And, you know, if, if they manage to string a few together here, they can get back, you know, close to 500 and, and in that playoff hunt in the Eastern Conference. So feeling good. I feel, I feel much better today after I did say, you know, this weekend. Um, and I know I know you you have to get it off your chest. I did yesterday on my solo show. But, yeah, man, that uh, that Blazers one's still stinging you a bit, I assume. There's, what, 512 players in the NBA? 511 players in the NBA get a foul call there at the end of the game. 511. Zach Levine is the only player that doesn't get a foul call in that situation, man. I think it's absurd that they called a jump ball there within one possession of a game. Called a jump ball there? Tell me other one other NBA star in this league that doesn't get a foul call on that scenario. And I get it. If you want to blame Zach Levine for not for not running out and actually getting them to draw him a foul instead of waiting for them to come and get him, that's fine. But I... I it's not on Zach Levine. He was fouled three times from Rodney Hood and behind. And yet, they, it's still in their league, their last two-minute report, they still called it as a clean jump ball. Okay, that's fine, but now you're, you're pretty much removing Rodney Hood from that entire situation. He was standing behind Zach Levine, grabbing him around the back. I don't understand how you don't call a foul on that. Or you don't go and look. You don't go to the instant replay and you don't go and look. I don't... I guess I don't understand that. Maybe I just don't understand the definition of a jump ball, man, but that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And once again, Zach Levine doesn't get the respect that other stars would. Any other Name another star in the top 50. In the top 50 players in the NBA, man, and they get a foul call there. Of course, because it's Zach Levine and it's the Bulls. Got to give Damian Lillard a shot to win the game, and sure enough, he fucking does. It's unbelievable, man. I was so frustrated by that call, and I was... I was actually super confident that they were going to go back in that last two-minute report and change that and say, yeah, you know what, that wasn't a jump ball. I don't know how, I don't know if you feel as angry as I do, and I don't need mean to get this angry after a Bulls win last night, but man, that is just, it's super frustrating. When Levine doesn't get the same calls and the same type of treatment that other guys with half his ability get time in and time out, I just, again, I don't understand the jump ball. And again, if you want to blame the Bulls for pissing away a win against a team that had missing two all-stars and you were down 19 at one point, that's fair. That's totally fair. But I'm more angry about the end of the game and more specifically about that jump ball. And then Damian Lillard does what Damian Lillard does best. I thought what Markkinen did a good job closing out and trying to stop that three, and there's nothing you can do at that point. But man, I was just super pissed off about that jump ball call. Yeah. I, I And it was funny because a lot of Bulls fans were going to the NBA rule books because they were so confused about how that could possibly have been a jump ball. A jump ball should not be called until both players have hands so firmly on the ball that neither can gain sole possession without undue roughness. If a player is lying or sitting on the floor while in possession, he shouldn't have he should have an opportunity to throw the ball. But so that first sentence of that clause of the NBA rule book about a jump ball, both players have hands so firmly on the ball that neither can gain sole possession. First of all, Gary Trent Jr. nor Rodney Hood at any point, either of them, had both of their hands on the ball while Zach Levine also was possessing the ball. So that right there rules out the possibility of a jump ball. They were fouling him from his backside and his front side, but neither of them had both of their hands on the basketball at any point. Certainly not long enough 
for a jump ball to be called. And Donovan and Levine both said after the game, yeah, that was a really quick jump ball call. So I was very surprised by that last two-minute report because usually the NBA is good at at least making that correct pronunciation after the fact. It stings a bit that, especially in certain moments, and the Bulls have kind of already gotten hosed by last two-minute reports in, in close uh, you know, uh, losses earlier this season where, yeah, this this foul should have been called, this foul shouldn't have been called, should have been Bulls ball, et cetera. And, like, even though it can't take the sting away of, of losing a game that maybe it could have or should have won, at least you get the acknowledgement from the league's officiating system that they screwed up. And that hopefully they are using that information to put the best-rated officials in the most important games, which I believe they do. I take, I believe they take those last-minute reports into account as far as the accuracy of these officiating crews. Man, I think so it's for, laughable. For, for that last-minute report to double down on that call was baffling and disappointing to me because I thought it was a ridiculously bad call. Do you know if you go and Google the last two-minute report for the NBA, one of the first articles that pops up is from 2016 and talks about how the NBA officials wanted to get rid of the last two-minute report, said it was a poor reflection of their officials, and so on and so forth. It's like, okay, you just don't want to take responsibility if you do miss a call. I'm okay. Just go back and correct it then. The same way that they did it earlier in the season with the Warriors game, man. They talked about the two the two missed foul calls that they called, that ultimately ended up leading to that Damian Lee three-pointer for the win. I'm okay if you just go back and make the correction. I don't know. I, I guess it's not in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal to the NBA as far as one regular season game. But, I mean, if I'm Zach Levine, I, I would want a further explanation. It doesn't have to be public, but I'd want a further explanation on how the hell that they came to the conclusion that that was a jump ball in-game, and then after going back and reevaluating it, how they still came to the conclusion that it was a jump ball. Because it, it stick any star there, any single star there, and they're getting a foul call there. Not Zach Levine, though. I don't know, man. It's just, it's irritating. On top of the fact that they let it bubble all the way to 19 points. They made a great comeback, and I thought they battled all the way through. But then again, some some late possessions where they didn't go their way ultimately results in Damian Lillard hitting a game winner, man. Yeah, you know, that's the other, you know, unfortunate part of that. Dame is Dame, and he got the opportunity to, you know, hit two ridiculous shots in the final 11 seconds of a game because the Blazers got a call that certainly went in their favor. Um, you know, it's um, it's just one of those those tough it's frustrating. Losses. It's frustrating, man. Um, before we get into the Knicks stuff and possible trade rumors, we'll we'll talk, we'll address those maybe at the back end of the episode. Just talking about Zach Levine. I know Ian Bagley had a report uh, on Friday afternoon about the Knicks consistently checking in on Levine. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But Matt, I want to get to the Bulls win last night because there's a lot more positives to talk about that win than there are about the negatives on Saturday. But before we do that, I want to tell our friends about betonline.ag. Been telling you guys about betonline.ag now for the past several weeks. It's the only place you should be betting right now. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus for signing up. So you deposit $100, they're going to give you 50 for free. You deposit 500 they're going to give you 250 for free. 
You can bet on the Super Bowl. They have a ton of props available right now from the coin toss to how long the national anthem is going to go to what the first song the weekend is going to perform at halftime to the actual NFL games and the actual NFL props going on throughout the Super Bowl. You want to bet on college basketball? They have a ton of lines available every single day for that. And of course, the NBA season and the Bulls more specifically. If you want to bet on any of that or any of the other sports, betonline.ag is the place to go. Use the promo code locked on for 50% well Welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Matt, pretty good win against the Knicks, no? Uh, Tom Thibodeau returning to town. I thought the Bulls played a really, really good game here. It was constantly back and forth and catching a Knicks team on a back-to-back and after having to travel, they played a weird time, too, on Sunday. Uh, But I thought stopping Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quickly, and R.J. Barrett, the Bulls got it done. Zach Levine with a couple big shots in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, What were your biggest takeaways from this game? Yeah, I mean holding Randall in check. Uh, That's kind of what I talked about towards the back end of my uh, episode on Monday. Just given the fact that the Bulls front court has struggled recently with the absence of Wendell Carter Jr., with the foul trouble of Gafford and some of these starts of his, and the fact that, you know, Donovan basically is forced to choose between, in those scenarios, playing really heavy minutes for a, you know, small ball five aging vet Thad Young and trying to get away with certain lineups where maybe you're playing Lowry some spot minutes at the five, or God forbid, throwing Felicio in there for a run. Those are the options that we've seen. None of them are great. I think the best of those options has been Thad Young. Uh, The Bulls have looked really strong when he has been out there, and he has you know, also notably been really helpful for Lowry Markin and all of these assists that that has been racking up recently. A lot of them are going to Lowry as, as that has been operating out of the high post and hitting Lowry with some great uh, passes, you know, dribble handoff scenarios. He's getting Lowry a lot of his good looks, but yeah, defensively, I think the bulls did a solid job and credit to Lowry too. Uh, you know, he, he got some great credit from Donovan after the game for his defensive effort and performance. And while, yes, we could talk about Lowry dropping 30 points on the second straight game, I thought that despite knowing that Lowry has never been a strong defender, he had some very solid defensive effort possessions late in this game, uh, especially checking you know Julius Randle, which is no easy task. Because the Bulls and Lowry held Randle to basically his season averages. 23-11-7 is what Randall did on Monday night, and his season averages, I think, are like 22.5 and 11.2 and 6 or set, like 6.5. So like really right on his season averages. So the Bulls didn't let Randall go crazy. I'm with you, man, on the, the marketing defensive defensive possessions, especially late, too. There's one specific one. I think it was like two or three minutes left in the game. Randall was taking Markin in one-on-one 
moving from left to right, left to right, tried to get inside, and Markkinen stayed with him. I, I was actually kind of impressed. And look, it's only one defensive possession. I get that, but I do. I think Lowry deserves a little bit of credit for that. I was going to be critical of him in the in the fourth quarter because there was a lot of times where he was just kind of standing in the corners waiting for somebody to toss him an open three-point look and Maybe that's more credit to he was saving his energy for the defensive side of the ball, and the Bulls ended up needing that. They needed that from Lowry to continuously multiple possessions in those last three minutes needed Lowry to handle Randall, and he did that and forced Randall not to be the guy to take those shots. So I do give Lowry some credit. Man, dude, Thaddeus Young, I wrote this down yesterday as I was watching the game and then went back and rewatched it. Is Thaddeus Young almost becoming too valuable to deal for this team, man? Because he is like, he is the glue that is holding this entire team together. Him and Garrett Temple, man. They, I can't say enough about those two guys. Yeah, I mean, Thad and Temple's plus minus numbers so far this season are through the, uh, you know, through the roof. The the ceiling is the roof for those two as far as their <laughs> positive impact on this team. Um, you know, I, like. I, th- I think you're right about Lowry. It was disappointing for his fourth quarter that, you know, he he entered the fourth quarter with 30 points and still finished on the night with 30 points when you were thinking, man, hey, maybe if Lowry's got one more good quarter in him, we could see a 40-point night from Lowry, which would be a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, he had a couple of good looks. Uh, he missed all of his three-point attempts in the fourth quarter, and it looked like, you know, he had great opportunities to maybe, you know, hit a big shot when the Bulls needed him to hit, to hit a big shot. Fortunately, Zach and Kobe both hit big threes late in the game to stave off the Knicks. Um, but to your point, I think he was tired because he was playing some damn fine defense. He even said after the game, he was like, when he was asked about checking Julius Randle, he said, yeah, not going to lie. I was pretty tired in that fourth quarter. <laughs> and he, he, he logged 34 minutes. So um, as to your point about Thad Young and him being the glue that holds this team together, and you know if he's too valuable to trade, it's funny you say that because I was talking about that with Big Dave and John last night. And I was like, am I crazy for having to watch the past few games and seeing the positive impact that Thad Young has, not only on this team in as a whole, but specifically, as I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, the positive impact he has had on Lowry Markkinen, getting Lowry the ball, being a smart vet who recognizes when Lowry is making cuts off the ball and gets him nice passes and good looks at the basket who can operate with Lowry in dribble handoff situations and get him good looks where he hits Lowry in stride for catch and shoot three opportunities. Is that, is that something that we should keep around just for the the sake of Lowry's development? And obviously that's kind of far fetched to think that that's something that we need to, to keep that around for. And, And big David John, were both quick to point out. And of course I agree with them. That doesn't speak to Thad Young's value and the fact that he's too valuable to trade. It speaks to the fact that, for the love of God, this team needs a real point guard who can get Lowry the looks that he <laughs> That's needs. so true. It's so true, man. But yeah, like you and I are kind of on the same wavelength. It's like if development is important here and Lowry's the guy long term and it might not be Carter and maybe you're sticking with Levine too. I think there's a case to be, to be made about Levine and Thaddeus Young now sort of being tied together. Thad Young's been getting a lot of credit from Zach, and Zach has been saying like it's nice to play with a veteran who can move the ball and do a bunch of different things like Thad has been able to do. I wonder if those two will be tied together, too, is if Thad gets dealt 
that means it's more likely that Levine gets dealt. There's some of these other core pe- like veteran core pieces that have helped the Bulls in a lot of wins this year. I wonder if those guys start to be talked about more in trade rumors, if that makes me point to maybe Zach Levine is not as untouchable as some would like to think of him leading up to the trade deadline or even this summer. Uh, so that has been brought to my mind. But the one thing I can say, man, is leading up to the trade deadline for the for, for the first time in what? Four years, actually, I should say th- outside of Nico, the first time in four years that leading up to the Bulls trade deadline, there's actually guys on this team, multiple guys playing good and actually increasing their value on the trade market as opposed to decreasing it and us having to take less. I'm thinking most specifically about Nico. Like Nico is the only other one I can think throughout this rebuild that continuously built off of his trade value and the Bulls ended up striking striking rich and they got a first round pick. So I could say that as a plus. If you're looking to deal Thad, if you're looking to deal, I don't know, Garrett Temple or any of these other pieces, ancillary pieces around the Bulls to gain some type of future asset back they're at least all playing at a high decent level yeah I mean that's true and I I mean I think that there's no denying that is increasing his trade value right now I, I mean it's weird that he's giving us these near triple doubles every night for the past three or four games but it is proof that when used the right ways it doesn't matter if you're a you know a 14-year vet or a guy who's still just entering his prime. If you're not necessarily known as a point guard, but you are a gifted and intelligent passer, you can round out a very effective offensive game as far as the, the ways in which you contribute to your team. Because that that is something that is incredibly valuable compared to Take, for example, Lowry, who, yes, has put up back-to-back 30-point nights, but is a fairly one-dimensional player at the moment. He is not a super strong rebounder, and he's not a facilitator. Uh, you know, he, he did have a couple of interesting actions uh, last night where he and Zach got into, you know, the, the two-man pick-and-roll where you're like, yeah, let us see more of that where, where Zach and Lowry are, are doing pick and roll and and, and Lowry is, is the ball handler at some points and, and Zach setting screens just to change things up a little bit. But for the most part, he's just a guy who can shoot for himself or needs people to create for him. Thad Young is a player who can create for his teammates, operating from the low post, from the high post, from the elbow. He is smart and he is a gifted passer. And it's not like we, none of us knew that Thad was capable of doing these things. It was just that he was put in such a stupid, minimalistic role that didn't fit his 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 skill set last season. So we all just forgot how gifted he was. But I think I got fifteen guys to develop the Bulls' present and future. Um, and, and I, you know, something interesting that Sabine brought up last night. I know he's hurt right now, but but Jordan, if if Wendell were the one giving the Bulls these stat lines of thirteen, eight, and eight. 12, 9, and 9. I, I mean, as our starting center, wouldn't you, wouldn't I, shouldn't all of us be like thrilled if it were Wendell giving us those stat lines? Oh, 100%, man. 100%. And again, you bring up a good point, man. We just, I feel like as Bulls fans, we haven't seen actual veterans come in and play th- play within the system like Billy Donovan had Garrett Temple and Thaddeus Young in there and you could see they were playing within the system so many nights where there's the the young guys they get discouraged by missed shots botched plays 
early deficit, and then they start going on their own individually, and then that's when the Bulls just get into absolute chaos. But it's actually nice to see veterans for once playing within Donovan's system, even if things aren't working out for them early on in games. You see that. Go back and trust Billy Donovan's system. And I wonder if that's a that's a case of just like the, the nightmare that was Jim Boylan that nobody wanted to buy into that. Even when things were working, nobody wanted to buy into that. And then when things weren't, it was just like tune the guy out completely. So I think there's an adjustment going on there. But you're right, man. If... Wendell Carter Jr. was putting up those same exact stats, people would be thrilled. They'd be like, look at this guy. He's going to be an all-star in two years. He's the future of our front court. All of these things. And it's like, you know, even though Thaddeus is undersized, he's still giving us those those minutes, the, that contribution. It's exactly what Zach needs. It's like, we got to think of it in terms of Zach, too. He's like, our best player needs somebody else on the floor like that. That's bo- can play both sides of the ball, and Thaddeus Young is providing that. That's why I circle back to the question of written down is, is he too valuable to trade now for the future of the development of this team? And maybe it's linked more to Zach Levine than we were initially thinking. But again, yesterday, man, I was completely and thoroughly impressed by the win. And even as the Bulls were going back and forth, back and forth with the Knicks in the fourth quarter, they never got discouraged. They never got down on each other. And they played a really, really good game start to finish. And I even think about Zach, man. He had a dish. He had a wide open bucket where he could have easily taken that at the rim. I think like three or four minutes in with into the fourth quarter and instead he dished it to Lowry like little things like that I'm picking up is like Zach is slowly starting to trust his teammates and guys that he knows can knock down buckets and Lowry didn't hit the corner three but just seeing instances like that leave me a little bit encouraged that Zach is maybe starting to trust his younger teammates a little bit more than he did in the past yeah that's a big step and it was another night where Zach had a quiet start looking for his own shot uh, you know, he scored 17 of his 21 in the second half, uh, including some big buckets in the fourth quarter. I think Zach is starting to embrace that role where he's getting his teammates involved and, and letting them do a little bit of uh, creating offensively out of the gate, which I think is important for a player like Lowry, who needs to develop a rhythm early. Uh, a couple more thoughts on this game, and then we'll get into some of those trade hypotheticals that you were talking about, Jordan. Before that, though, wanted to tell our listeners about the great opportunities to save money for your various car part needs at rockauto.com. One great reason to repair and maintain your current car as opposed to maybe splurging for a new one is to save money that you can then use for other important things like your mortgage or your grocery bill. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Take, for example, the Delphi FG 1456 fuel pump assembly for the 2005 to 2010 Honda Odysseys. Currently, $353.99 at Advance, one of those big chain stores. At rockauto.com, however, the exact same part, $216.79. Crazy difference in price there. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpeting. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals as do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much money for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. 
Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I know you said you've got a couple of other things real quick on this Knicks game. So do I. So maybe we can go rapid fire back and forth. Uh, One was... I love seeing Patrick Williams get it going early on offense, man. Like in the first quarter, I wish he would do more of that. I think he's a tremendous offensive player and slowly kind of letting him break out of his shell, especially early on in games when the Bulls have it going. Like it's nice to see that. And they're actually running sets for P-Will early, early on, like talking two, three, four minutes into the game. It's good to get his confidence up as well. I know he's missed a couple quarter threes in that game yesterday, but they were good looks, man. They were really good looks. So I want him to continue to do that. And I'm... I'm cautiously optimistic about a second half surge from P. Will offensively. Uh, So that was one of the other things that I wrote down about Patrick Williams. What about you? Yeah, I actually also just was going to, you know, touch on P-Dub quickly. Um, Like you said, not a great shooting night for him behind the three-point line, but it's okay. He has been like lights out shooting his threes this this far into his rookie year, so I'm not too worried about that. I did like his aggressiveness out of the gate. He had that one possession in particular um, in the early going where he had a nice uh, pump fake uh, on an outside shot and then, you know, put the ball on the floor, dribble past his man, and then was able to draw contact and draw foul uh, against the help defender who was trying to come over and protect the rim as he drove hard and he got to the free throw line. He got to the free throw line you know, uh, a fair amount. He was four of six at the free throw line last night. And that's the kind of aggression that I would really love to see from P-Dub because we know he's confident with that mid-range pull-up. We know that that he has the range, that high, high arcing three-point shot that we think is going to be there for his NBA career. But you also have to see some of that aggressiveness. We've seen some of those ways that he could put the ball on the floor. He's got a really nice step-through move is yet another thing that kind of looks like Kawhi-esque. And guess what? The other thing that Kawhi really developed as he progressed his offensive game was some of those moves that allowed him to get to, to draw contact to get to the free throw line uh, and get some of those free points every night. So that was what I liked about P-Dub. Um, and then I just a, a real quick one, man. I don't want to get too into it, but uh, Kobe... I, I was just talking about how Thad Young's eight assists just mostly should remind us that we we need a true point guard on this team. I know he's trying, and, and I love the kid, but man, Kobe looked like he had blinders on last night, man. I'm with you, man. I had him written written down too. I just it, I'm hold. On, I'm looking for the note. I had Kobe White's corner three with 42 seconds left was a really great shot, but I also had him written down where I said Kobe White making. Uh, taking some poor shot selections in the fourth quarter. I feel like that's been kind of a common theme as well. And I don't know if it's pressure for him, from him feeling like outside of Zach, who else is going to score in the fourth quarters? I can understand that too. But yeah, like on top of just 
the inconsistency playmaking too. His shot hasn't been there night in and night out like I'd like it. Maybe that's just a lot of pressure for a second year guy that's 20 years old feeling like he's got to do everything. Maybe marketing. The contributions from Markkinen can maybe lift that pressure off of Kobe White a little bit more, and you're seeing it now in the last two or three games where Markkinen and Levine are pretty much taking over on offense. So I'm with you though, and you know, you know who else isn't helping Kobe either is is Sadaransky off the bench, man. I know we've got a couple texts and voicemails about that too. I, I will blame it more on the inconsistency of him being having to quarantine for what three weeks and just his season being thrown off completely. I think he's still trying to get his feet underneath him, and I, I'm okay with being patient on him. But he can't knock it down a shot. He can't knock down a shot. Period, man. Right now, and it's it's brutal. Um, I know he had a few assists yesterday. I think he had four or five, but still, he's been brutal as well. Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm with you in the. You know, giving Sato a little bit of time to come around from such a, a long layoff. Um, yeah, Lowry was rusty for his couple of games back, and he was just rusty sitting on the sidelines, quarantining, not actually having had co- having had COVID. I mean, like you know, we heard that that Sato for the most part, you know, didn't have any you know crazy symptoms. Uh, that that Hutch had you know had a, a worse dose of it uh, that than Sato did, but even still, I mean. We don't know everything that went into Sato's experience, and he was out longer than Lowry was because he actually had tested positive as opposed to just being out for contact tracing. So I don't think he was even able to work out either while he was like quarantined in Washington too. So like a context again, I say it all the time, but context really does matter. We're talking about guys like Sadoransky who have had a weird season to start, you know. So I think about those things too, and it's like just getting some of these guys back into shape and with the team too. So I'll tell people give Sadoransky maybe a few more weeks and let's if. It consistently keeps going the way it's going with him, then I totally agree with our texters and our callers, but maybe give him a few more weeks to get acclimated, get his legs underneath him. Uh, the last thing, Matt, I had before we go to the Levine rumors, uh, Donovan calling a timeout with 50 seconds le- 50 seconds into the game after the Bulls turned the ball over and looked like a mess to start that game off. What did you think about that? Because I loved it. Yeah, it was it was great. Um, you know, when I was looking ahead to this game on yesterday's episode, obviously knowing how good this Tom Thibodeau led Knicks defense has been, you know, leading the NBA in a lot of defensive categories coming into Monday night's action, and this young Bulls team, especially their starting five units, propensity for all the turnovers. I said that that was going to be a key to this game. Can the Bulls limit the turnovers against this quality defense? And right out of the gate, boom, Kobe White and Lowry Markkinen, two bad turnovers. So, you know, 11-10 on the first quarter clock, boom, timeout. And, uh, you know, I thought that um, even more so than that, I like what we heard after the fact, which is Donovan saying uh, to the media, yeah, you know what? I actually really didn't talk much in, in that very quick timeout. Um, you know, they knew what was going on. They knew why I took the timeout. They knew that we've been trying to cut down on these turnovers and that that was not the start we were looking for. And he said that mostly it was the vets who were doing most of the talking in that early timeout, which is just a great sign uh, as far as the the chemistry um, and and the play the players who are uh, embracing that role of leaders on this team this season compared to last season. I love it, man. It's it's a lot better than yanking your five starters and not telling them why or not giving them a reason to bounce back, right? It's just completely I different. Kobe and Lowry 50 seconds into the first quarter to prove <laughs> a point. 
<laughs> they needed some introspection, man. They needed some introspection. Um, but a yeah, introspection, a little seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> um, quickly, I just because I tweeted this out, but uh, Lowry Markinen, in games in which he has a slow start from three. The Bulls are actually four and three this year, which I was surprised by. And the thing I was surprised most about by Matt was Lowry's flip on those games in the second half and what his shooting numbers look like from three. So when he shoots less than 30% from three in the first half, and it's happened in seven games this year, he comes back in the second half, Matt, and he's shooting 48.6% from three. 17 for 35 in the second half on games he has slow starts from three in the first half. I think that just by itself is progression alone from Lowry. It's not getting down on himself, finding ways to make adjustments. And again, maybe it's credit to Billy Donovan of finding little adjustments to make to get him open shots and more consistent shots in the second half. Again, I just wanted to to give that out because Lowry is progressing in some ways, especially when he's not having a great shooting night in the first half. He's showing us that he's bouncing back and it's actually contributing to wins. It's really, it really is. It's contributing to some of those wins that the Bulls have had, and they're four and three when he does that. So again, continue the confidence, even if your shot's not falling early, Lowry. Continue that because it's helping. Yeah, you know, um, my guy uh, Kendall Gill always says that about players who are in slumps. You know, uh, the best way to get out of a slump is to shoot your way out of it. You know, shoot or if, shoot. If you're shooting hot. Sh- shoot till you miss and and if you're and if you're shooting nothing but misses shoot till you make uh, and especially for a player like Lowry whose shooting is such a crucial part to his game being a helpful one an efficient one a contributing one to his team that always has to be the case that always should be the case I am I am pleasantly surprised by Lowry uh, over the last couple of weeks so I hope that continues Dude, and I hope we continue to see it what you know what we have established is that I started to slander Lowry. I started to talk about all the ways in which he's been frustrating to me, talking about he's soft, he's shying away from contact still, he's not he's not doing enough for us. And since I started slandering Lowry about four or five days ago, he's put together back-to-back 30-point nights. So I have decided for the for the betterment of Lowry and, and all of us as Bulls fans, I need to continue talking shit about my guy who I've stand forever, Lowry Markkinen. So you're the marketing motivator. 30 point nights. Final thought on Lowry. Hey, where were you in the fourth quarter? Come on. You were the marketing. You're the marketing motivator. You're like the secret marketing whisperer. Uh, So maybe we do need you to continue to do that. Dude sucks. Dude doesn't deserve a new contract. Step it up, man. Tomorrow night, Lowry drops 45 in our face. Watch. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about the Zach Levine rumors that we saw on Friday because it t- ties into the opponent the Bulls just played, the Knicks. Uh, so Ian Bagley, who works uh, as an NBA insider for the Knicks, the Nets, and the NBA over at uh, SNY TV, he had tweeted out an article, Matt, on Friday afternoon talking about Levine and then just re-upped on those this weekend after the Bulls uh, Knicks game yesterday talking about the Knicks monitoring Zach Levine's uh, trade markets also monitoring the possibility of making a deal with the Bulls he had mentioned that the Nets had been in on that to scouting but since they dealt for Harden I pretty much take them out of the equation um, but first thoughts when you saw that the Knicks were interested in Levine 
I went, oh, yuck, what do they have? And then as I started to kind of look at the Knicks team and some of the assets that they've collected, I'm like, actually, there's a couple qualifiers here, but I wouldn't I wouldn't hate a deal going for Levine if there's a couple of pieces coming back in return. Before we get into those specifics, I just wanted your reaction when you saw that. My reaction was the same as yours. What the hell are they giving us? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, Kudos to Julius Randle for putting together a hell of a start to this season. You know, a- averaging 22-11-6 and six is is all-star caliber stuff. Um, that being said, now that he has taken that step, I don't see him as a piece that the Knicks are desperate to get rid of. Um, I, I don't love R.J. Barrett. I don't. I certainly don't love, Ob, you know, Obi, uh, Obi, Obi Topin, Obi Toppin. <laughs> Um, what other people, I mean, like, dude, they're, they're about to send Dennis Smith Jr. to the G League for crying I out loud. I saw that. Like, Yikes. What Yikes. other than draft capital are you giving us? Like, I, I like that, that rookie, uh, Emmanuel quickly. He's a beast. Um, who, who put up 25 points against the Clippers, you know, the day before they played us. He's, he's solid, but you know, Mitchell Robinson. Okay. But does any of that scream? Great. I feel good about this return for Zach freaking Levine right now. Cause to me, no. The qualifiers I had on this man, just because I was reading a little bit more into quickly and trying to get a gauge on how Tom Thibodeau likes him. And apparently Tom Thibodeau is like absolutely in love with this dude. So I would imagine he's probably, he's probably one of the two players that would be in the, yeah, absolutely not. He's off. He's completely off the trade market. We're not getting rid of him. I have him and Toppin as the two guys that the Knicks would say absolutely not to anybody dealing outside of like a Durant or a LeBron deal. They would not include. Okay, I I can still find a deal that makes sense for the Bulls if you're going to deal Levine and not have to include quickly or Toppin. Uh, But if I were the Bulls, that would be the first piece that I would ask for is Emmanuel Quickly's got to be in this deal. RJ Barrett's got to be in this deal. Um, a deal with the Knicks to me, Matt, has to include at the very bare minimum Randall and Barrett. I, I don't see how the Bulls accept a trade without both of those guys coming back in return. And I was laughing at Knicks fans. Some of their trade hypotheticals are out of this world. Like in what world do Knicks fans believe that they would keep RJ Barrett and also get Zach Levine? I just don't, I, I didn't understand it for a second, man. And that's why I tweeted it out from Locked On Bulls. I'm like, this is just laughable. Like, it's absolutely laughable that they think that they would keep R.J. Barrett. Those are the two guys I absolutely have to have coming back. And then you could talk about a, a combination of first round picks too, man. Whether it be the Knicks first round pick coming up. And they've got two others too in this first in this 2021 first round. They've got the Clippers first round pick and they also have the Mavericks first round pick. So if they threw together Randall Barrett and two of those three first round picks, plus maybe one of the young expiring guys, does that entice you at all? Or do you feel like you could get a better deal for Levine or would you rather just keep Levine and bet on him? I, I'd say that that's close to a fair deal. I mean, that's a lot of pieces. Um, that, that's a big package for a guy like Zach. So I, you know, I, I wouldn't be crushed. I wouldn't be devastated if that hypothetical were to take place. Because I think that that's a lot of young talent and draft capital to work with. That being said, I still would prefer the latter of the things you said, which was keep Zach, bet on Zach, and try and find a star to come here who wants to play with Zach. I still think I like that route better. Yeah, 
I, I think I'm with you too. Unless they have a plan for the 2021 where you could pair Randall and Barrett and White with something else. Like you go out and I don't know. You're not going to lure Kawhi, so forget that. But you would be like using your forty plus million dollars in cap space on guys like Victor Oladipo or any of those like second to third tier stars. And I don't know how much better that gets you long term, unless you're unless you're trying to take the picks that you're getting from the 2021 first round from the Knicks and pair them with your own pick to move up to the top five. They really love somebody in this draft coming up. I could see that as well too, but. Uh, at bare minimum, I've got to have Randall and I've got to have Barrett. And I really like the way that Randall's played his game this year, man. He has talk about player development. He is that guy this year. He's he's a walking triple double right now, and I think he'd be perfect for this team. I also like the upside on R.J. Barrett, but that's just me. I think he's been balling out the last few weeks. And he's only going to continue to get better. Um, I don't hate it, but again, I, I think I'm leaning more towards the idea of wait and see what Washington truly does with Bradley Beal. I know Bradley Beal just said he's comfortable with staying with Washington. We'll see if that continues leading up to the trade deadline, but maybe that's what the Bulls are waiting on too, is to see what happens with Beal. If Beal stays, dude, Zach Levine is the number one trade asset leading up to the trade deadline, and I think that only benefits the Bulls. Yeah, and I think that, you know, to your point about some of the packages that Knicks people were putting together being outlandish and disrespectful. You got to remember as Bulls fans, we all watch what Zach does every night. This Bulls team that has been led by Zach Levine over the last three seasons has been largely a losing team, largely a dysfunctional team with fault, not going squarely on Zach Levine's shoulders for how, just how dysfunctional that, that fault lies at, management's level at ownership's level and because they've been that bad despite being a big market team the bulls have had what three nationally televised games over the past three seasons combined i mean it's been that much of a black hole of national coverage for this bulls team for zach levine people across nba national media still think of zach as just a dunk contest guy such Which bullshit. is absurd. Like, if if you're paying attention to Zach, you know just how much he stepped up his offensive game and his efficiency. Yes, the turnovers are still a problem. Talked about that yesterday. Yes, he's still not a great defender, but he's gotten better this year. He's putting forth more effort this year. And how many elite scorers in this league get a pass for being shit defenders, for being black hole defenders? Uh, All of them? I think the answer is all of them. They all get a pass. So why not Zach? And, you know, Jordan, I mentioned this yesterday, but just in case you didn't see it and just because or just in case any of our listeners didn't listen to yesterday, just a reminder how elite Zach is offensively. His month of January that just closed, where he averaged 28.3, 5.8 boards and 5.8 assists on shooting splits of 53.8, 45.6 and 87.9. Only... Two other times in NBA history have those averages on those shooting splits been accomplished with at least 10 games in a NBA calendar month where said player is attempting at least five three-point attempts per game. And the two other times that that was accomplished were both accomplished by Steph freaking Curry. And the other time that was accomplished was just this past month of January by none other than our Zach Levine. The dude is doing ridiculous things right now. And... NBA teams who are trying to make a big swing trade 
are paying attention and know that. So pay no mind to these ridiculously disrespectful trade packages that are being tossed around for Zach because this dude is an elite scorer and elite scorers don't come cheap in NBA trades. Man, he's he's nearly averaging 50, 40, 90. Like we 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 talked about Kobe a couple weeks ago and just the amazing month he had in February of last year where he won rookie of the month and he was averaging 50, 40, 90. Guys don't average that for a season. Zach's played 19 games. He's shooting 51% from the field, 41.9% from three and 88.1% from the free throw line. And this is a dude that isn't even getting the respect in the free throw category either. He's averaging only five free throw attempts a game. Trey Young, meanwhile, is averaging 27 free throws a game. Jesus. Like that dude, he barely gets touched and gets called for a foul and, and Zach Levine can't get that same respect but uh, I digress again Matt those those stats are insane and the only people that are actually consistently paying attention to Zach Levine are us Bulls fans and we know how great he's been so again I would say don't sell low on Zach Levine especially because what the trade market is shaping up to be man you could put two three four teams in a bidding war for Zach Levine they're truly pushing for a championship level team again I'm thinking of the Sixers to throw the Sixers in this throw the Sixers if they're really getting desperate and need that third guy, need that third star, you go to them and you just try to get a price war against two, three, four other teams. It's going to happen if Zach continues to play this way. And man, maybe the best opportunity is just sit back and let those let those offers continue to roll in and be patient. I mean, Zach, we had talked about playing in himself into a max contract. Again, you got to get the best deal. And I think the Bulls are doing the, a great job of just kind of sitting back and let the rumors swirl. But again, I think, man... More than anything, I think Bradley Beal is going to dictate the trade market for Zach Levine. And if he is cool with staying with Washington, at least till the summer, I mean, line line the deals up. There's going to be half a dozen teams calling for Zach Levine two, three weeks out from the trade deadline, trying to be desperate to trade for something. And maybe you can trick a team into overpaying for Zach Levine. But I mean, at this point, what's an overpay for a dude that's top 10 in scoring and damn near averaging 50, 40, 90 in the prime of his career at 25? on a great contract. It's like the more Zach Levine continues to play well, man, the more he becomes almost invaluable. Yeah. Which is why all these bold fans who were so quick to say trade Zach, trade Zach right now. I, I get that, that what you're saying is, okay, his trade value is high right now and it won't get any higher than it is right now. Still under a team friendly contract in his prime, you know, entering his prime age wise, um, height of his playing ability wise. And, there are not a lot of great other options around right now for teams that are trying to add a big piece like that. It's also on the flip side, an argument to say that that is very much a piece piece worth keeping right now, unless that what you get is the King's ransom kind of package that that is deserving. I think another intriguing thing would be roping a third team into this. And we just talked about Beal, but Beal would be another one where it's like maybe you find a way to do a three-way deal where you can land Beal here in Chicago, you move Zach to New York, and Washington gets a shitload of picks, a bunch of the young players that we were just talking about that are expiring, kind of frees up some money. And then they could move Russ too and do sort of what OKC did, whereas they just loaded up on draft picks and young players, put themselves in a really decent position going forward to the future. That's if a Bradley Beal pushes the pushes the narrative of, hey, I want out of here. I want to go win somewhere and win right now. That doesn't seem like it's the case at the moment. 
Uh, but maybe we check in back in in two or three weeks and see how the Wizards are faring. Because right now they're one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in basketball record-wise. But uh, Russ has played well since he's come back, man. And maybe they can figure something out there. But um, but yeah, that's what that's the only other thing I was thinking of is roping a third team into this deal. Yeah, and you got to anticipate that these you know trade talks, rumors, uh, they're going to start picking up pretty soon. That, you know, the, the adjusted NBA calendar, the deadline that's usually somewhere, you know, in, in February has been pushed to March this year. Thursday, March 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern time, which is still, you know, a month and a couple of weeks away. But especially once you get to that window of, all right, it's that, that trade deadline's a month out. All of this trade talk, all of these rumors where there's smoke, there's usually fire, that kind of stuff. That's going to be picking up big time. And if the Bulls are in this stretch of busy February with lots of games and coming up, Knicks again tomorrow, uh, a back-to-back against the Orlando Magic this weekend, then you're you're playing the Wizards again on Monday. Then you got the Pelicans middle of next week. That's certainly a winnable game. If the Bulls and Zach are stringing together quality performances and wins and a team that is flirting with 500 and flirting with that Eastern Conference playoff positioning, they'll start to get a little bit more national attention as we get closer to the deadline and things could really heat up. I'm here for it, man. Continue to stack wins. And again, yeah, like you talked about, a bunch of easy games, a bunch of winnable games over the next couple of weeks. And I hope the Bulls can continue to do that. Continue to win games, continue to play well together, continue to buy into what Billy Donovan is selling them. I'm uh, one step back, two step forward, right? The Golden State game was one step back on the game winner. They took two steps forward by coming back and winning back-to-back games. The OKC game was a step back, and then they took two steps forward. I'm hoping this Portland loss that they had on Saturday is two, three steps ahead again and continuing to develop after tough losses like that, man. And the schedule can only can only get easier from here. I mean, the Bulls have played a lot of really tough opponents to start this season and haven't been fully healthy. So I'm excited, man. I think it's going to be an interesting, interesting next month or so to be a Bulls fan. So continue to watch the games, continue to listen to this podcast and appreciate everybody that's been listening every single day to Locked On Bulls. I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line. You want to discuss anything that we talked about today? We're going to do mailbag tomorrow. So make sure you drop your voicemails, your text messages, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. Your tweets at LockedOnBulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. You can email us too at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. You want to go a little bit long form, we'll take those emails as well. Get all of your mailbag questions in for tomorrow. Be taking those. 331-979-1369. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. This episode of Locked on Bulls was brought to you by 1010. 
1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 Designs Masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. Thanks a lot. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.